Hello, my name is Naranjan, the host of Master of Your Crafts podcast. Learning from leaders who are continuously inspired, passionate, and driven to align with their soul purpose, sharing their gifts to bring healing to others. The music is composed by Rebecca Everett. Today is episode number 92, and I'll be talking to Louis D. Cheney, a humorist, National Speaker Association member, TEDx alumni, and founder and CEO of Get to the Darn Point, LLC. Louis draws on his experience to craft visionary experiences that entertain, inform, and inspire. It's all about connection in communication as he has over 30 years of experience working in television news, entertainment news, commercial advertising, and independent film. Having told tens of thousands of stories working with everyone from homeless to the rich and famous. Hello and welcome to Louis. How are you, Louis? I am well, how are you? I'm doing well. I am curious to really delve into this conversation with you of how to get to the point. I mean, in business, in life, and there's so much fluff that happens. And some of it could be valid in warming a lead, as we say in business, or it could be just tell me what it is and I'll tell you yes or no. And let's save the trouble for everybody involved. So what brought you into that space? What brought me into this is my background comes from television. I've spent many, many years working in television. I've worked in television news, entertainment news. I have worked in commercial advertising and I've worked in independent film. In television, you had a minute and a half to tell a story, generally speaking. So one and a half minutes to tell an entire story made us have to get to the damn point, which is why I call my company that, because People often don't, particularly in one of the key things I focus on with this is in meetings. People don't do that. So I started noticing how much this actually affects people's time, which is something no one else had noticed. And that's what got me into it. I decided, okay, what can I do to help people realize what I'm realizing that can help them, particularly where their time is concerned? And such a huge asset time that we all take for granted until maybe later on in years as time gets a little bit shorter. And then we go, oh my gosh, what happened? Oh, let me tell you, the age that I am right now, I feel like my clock is a fan. The time hands just move so fast. I mean, I've got a granddaughter who's five going on six, and it seems like she was just born yesterday. So time is really speeding up as I get older. So I understand that statement completely. That's right. Yes, it, it really is. It really is. So with your experiences and your insights that you've gained over the years, what do you feel are some of the key attributes that connect you to doing what you do? I think one of the key things for me, and, and this is something interesting that you asked this question at this particular time in my life, I've really been looking into what is at my core? What has led me to where I am? And 
the thing I keep coming back to is something my mother said to me when I was a child, you're better than nobody and nobody's better than you. And as a result of that, I have always treated whether you're the president of the United States or you're the, the janitor at the company, I've treated everyone exactly the same. And I love people, you know, as part of something else that I do, which is not part of what we're talking about, but I'm also a professional mentalist and magician. So I enjoy entertaining people and giving them a chance to be lifted up in some way. So I think at the core of what I'm doing with my business of Get to the Damn Point is I want people to have more time in their lives, to spend less time wasted in things that can be fixed. And teaching and training is something I've always done in my career. So it just all ties together. I think that's mm -hmm. what it is. It comes down to I just want to help people. Do you feel that that has become that true core belief in terms of who you are? I really do. I really do. I think everything I'm doing right now, I've, I've combined all my worlds together as a speaker, a trainer, an entertainer. And that's what I call myself now as a corporate speaker, trainer, and entertainer, because I do all of those things. But at the core of all, all of them, it's about helping people in some way, whether that's giving them information in a training capacity that they can learn from, whether I'm doing a keynote for somebody where they can change the way they do the culture of their office with communications, or if it's entertaining someone with what I do in my magic and mentalism world, I take that to another level. So when people walk away, they feel uplifted. And that's something that I think is just running deep in my core. How did it become such a deep calling for you, or perhaps one of the callings for you? How did that transpire for you? I think it was a slow process. When I first began in television news, I came into news and we were able to help people particularly when it came to nonprofit organizations. I mean, I covered a lot of the normal stuff in news, your fires and your wrecks and your murders and things like that. But for me, my joyful days were whenever I could go out and go do something with a nonprofit organization, because then we're doing what Mr. Rogers talked about, helping the helpers help others. And I got to go do stories that was going to shine a light on what they did to help them get what they needed to help other people. And that was the beginning of it for me. And then I got to the point where I really just wanted to do more of what they call the feature stories, the stories that give people a good feeling at the end of the newscast. It's stories about human conquests and people rising above and doing things for others. And I think that just started, started instilling in me what eventually became where I am. And how beautiful is that to amplify, to, to gain something from your workplace so much from the activities and the gifts that you have in all the tools that you have. And then it becomes part of you intrinsically. I think that's a huge gift. You know, the funny gift. thing is we talked about age earlier. I think for me, it's something that I didn't really even recognize until I sat down recently. I, I had watched a, uh, I watched something on YouTube, a guy doing a seminar and he was talking about finding your core and I never really, it never really dawned on me until recently. It's taken me this many years to go, what really runs at the center of who I am? And when it hit me, I'm like, makes perfect sense. But it was something that even I couldn't connect the dots on. So I think, you know, for people out there who may be struggling, sit down and just have a really serious conversation with yourself and go, okay, look back at your childhood, look back at the formative years in your life and go, what was instilled in me that's still happening? so important to do that reflective work I find to to look at maybe potential blind spots or easy spots 
so to speak, that gifts that you already have that you didn't even recognize, which is what you're highlighting. So as you did your introspection, was that around the whole COVID situation? Is that what prompted that for you, do you think? The COVID situation certainly made me into an entrepreneur because everything that I was doing had kind of played out as most people had had a lot of stuff slow down or stop. And I really started looking at what can I do to take what I do and turn it into something that can help others. So that certainly had an impact on it. But as far as finding who I am, no, all COVID did was just leave me a lot of time to sit and think because I'm at home doing not a whole lot. Yeah. But it wasn't that kind of stuff that I was thinking about. I was more focused on the entrepreneur side at that point. Right. But it's still sifting through the skill sets that you have and going, okay, I can do this, I can do this, I can do this. And yes. Did you recognize or identify the it from those near and dear to you, close to you, your peers, your mentors, who may have said, well, actually, Louis, you're really good at this piece too, but you've not really incorporated that piece in who you are. And if you're going to do it as a business, then maybe you should consider that bit. <laughs> it's funny. When I first started doing this, I had a lady who was in marketing and she said, teach what you know, which I mean, we hear all the time. And I think people tend to ignore that. But as far as your friends and your mentors and things like that, I absolutely believe in brainstorming. I love having groups around me. I have groups I'm a part of right now that are masterminds and I have friends who are working on different aspects of what they're doing, but we're all on the same journey. We're just in different you know, lanes, so to speak. And to get a chance to bounce off of them and say, okay, help me find this. When I did this introspection, I reached out to a few really, really good friends of mine who would know that side of me and asked them. And that's where I started seeing the lines cross because they would talk about it and be like, well, Lewis, what about this? And Lewis, what about this? And Lewis, what about this? And when I looked at where all those lines intersected, that's where I came up with this. So absolutely, your friends, because the great thing about your friends and your mentors and those around you, they're going to tell you the truth. <laughs> you yeah. know, they're not going to water it down for you and say, well, you know, I think you're really good, whatever, when you really are. They're going to tell you the truth. And I think that will help you find your core faster than anything is a good friend. That's right. That's right. But it's also for us to be open and receptive mm -hmm. to hear it. Because Personally, even on my journey, I know I've had some very good friends in my field who have said certain things to, to see the best for me with good intention. And I, yeah, I know I can do that. Oh, it's, you just downplay the whole thing, right? Because you just don't believe it or you don't want to receive it for yourself. And then, you know, a couple of years or so later, then you, then you hear it louder. And you're like, okay, now I'm willing to receive that. Absolutely. One of the things I tell people, and you tell me if this has happened with you, we are all, all of us are so good at giving advice and helping lift up other people and motivate other people and encourage our friends, but we don't listen to our own advice. Yeah. We tell them things that we often don't tell ourselves in the mirror that would help us as much. And self-talk is very, very important. I think it was Bruce Lee, the yeah. famous martial artist who said, Self-talk is important because if you're talking negative, your body hears it. Right. And even if you're joking, it doesn't know you're joking. That's right. And I think it's very, very important for the self-talk to be there as well. And you're right. You've got to be receptive to it. But I think you also have to be receptive to yourself. When you look in that mirror, don't let that person in the mirror con you out of your confidence. 
have a conversation with them and say, look, I've got this. And it's okay to stand in that mirror and say, you know, I think I am pretty good at this. I think I am okay with that. It doesn't mean you're arrogant. It just means you're recognizing your own self-worth. Absolutely. And those are so important and perhaps overlooked because those lines of um, being ego-focused rather than saying, no, 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 these are skill sets that I have and let me stand in my own power and strength and move forward with it. And I know I can support others on that path and journey. That somehow got really muddy out there. Did it get muddy it, for you? It did. I mean, it's one of those things that you question yourself. We all have imposter syndrome. At some mm-hmm. point, you question yourself, even when you get to the point where you're in that mirror and you've got on your, your imaginary cape and the big Superman logo on your chest or the Wonder Woman outfit, and you're going, yes, I am the king of all of this, and I can handle this. And then you get into a situation where you have to apply whatever that is and you shrink down and go, wow, am I really as good as I think I am? Am I going to just be horrible at this? So I think we all suffer from that at some point. And it's just a matter of overcoming it. And you may never overcome it completely. You may never Mm -hmm. overcome it completely, but at least you can learn to live with it and accept the parts of you that are good. Mm -hmm. I often equate that to... A little bit of a test of and now are you ready to to walk your own talk and while one might not be able to overcome it in its entirety that seeing seeing the progress of yes I did see the case and yes I can formulate the dialogue halfway through now whereas before I maybe wouldn't have been able to say the intro that is progress in itself. I think that's needed to, for your own gauge to strive and an element of growth because there's growth that comes out of that because if we all sit in the comfort zone, there's no expansion, there's no contraction. So when we get stretched, I want to feel, you know, being in an imposter position in another diet, in another scenario, a leveling up, if you will, you're stretching, you're growing. Absolutely. You know, the thing about it is I I tell people a lot of times and I give them advice. I said, look, I'm not able to walk this path for you. All I'm doing is turning on the lights in the forest so you can see the paths before you. You have to choose which path to take. And what's so funny is when you start your journey, you may be on a certain path because of whatever's happened to you at that point in your life where Mm -hmm whether it's been your work, whether it's been anything to do with relationships, whether it's been friendships, whatever it may be, you're on a certain path. And then all it takes is one little thing to happen. And suddenly you go, Hey, you know, there's a path over there that looks a little better than the one I'm on. And it's going to be the one that lifts you up to the next level, like you talked about. So I think it's important for people to flick their light switch on and go, look, there's more paths before me than the one I'm on. Because I think when you get stuck in that, that's when you start getting depressed and down and going, is this all there is? Is yeah. this or all there is? And it isn't. There's, there's never and always this is all it is. You have to just yeah. think it through and, and ask for help. The biggest thing to do is ask for help. Yeah, I totally agree. Sometimes we, we feel like we've got to be the hero in the story and the only one in it. So this gratification of doing it alone is, is idolized up there somehow. 
Yeah, when you're trying to do things all by yourself, it goes back to what is that? I've heard this thing a few times. People say, if you see me talking to myself, ignore it. I'm having a meeting with myself. You know, I'm, I'm having a discussion. But sometimes when you have that discussion just by yourself, you might not get all the right answers because you're talking to yourself and you're going to let yourself doubts get in. One of the things that I do from the magic side of things, I've got this one thing that I've created and I'm doing now with people is it talks about that mirror and it talks about standing in there and it talks about finding yourself. And at the end of this thing, what I've done is I give them a little saying at the end of it that they can connect to their life in some way and lift them up because I want them to be able to hear themselves. Sure. Talk to yourself, but don't just talk in the same rut that you've been in. Just change the words a little bit, change the dialogue a hair and see if you can't change the direction of yourself. Talk. Right. Right. How has that influenced either the content, the courses, or the engagement that you put out there to the world now? It absolutely influenced it. I mean, again, subconsciously in some ways. But when I put the course together, everything I put into that course is talking about connecting with other people. You know, when I worked in television news, it wasn't just a matter of going, okay, we're going to go do the story. There were often times I had to talk to people and talk them into letting us do a story with them. And it wasn't that I was trying to be in some way shysty about it or anything like that. I just told them, here's what we're trying to do. And I was very open and very honest. And I just communicated with people very openly. And that's one of the things when I was teaching young reporters and photographers, news photographers, videographers, if you will, in their job. One of the first things I told them, and it's one of the key things I've told many people over the years, be a human being first. Be a human being first. And that has driven so much of what I've done when I'm talking about communications, because you have to be. You have to have respect for people. You have to have respect for their time, particularly. If you're up there and you're giving the presentation, you haven't prepared well, and you're reading that PowerPoint for an hour, you're not taking care of the people there and you wouldn't want a friend to do that to you. And you wouldn't want to do that to a friend. So treat everybody that way. And that's so important in that space of respecting other people's time, but also being really clear on the message. Yes, very much so. And there's an old saying that it's been attributed to different people. Woodrow Wilson's the big one it's attributed to, but I love this saying. It says, it, I'm going to probably not get it exactly right, but I'll paraphrase it. It says, if you need me to speak for 10 minutes, give me three weeks of preparation. If you need me to speak for 15, then I need a week. If you need me to speak for half an hour, then give me three days. And if you need me to speak for an hour, I'm ready to go right now. Because anyone can sit up there and ramble for an hour. It's when you have to get your message more succinct and you have to get it down. If you said... If you said there's going to be an hour meeting and you get to present and I told you, fine, you have 10 minutes, mm-hmm. you're going to decide to weed out all the unnecessary stuff and you're going to get to the damn point. You're going to get right in there and say, this is what I need you all to know. And you're going to do it in a way that connects to me. And that's mm-hmm. the biggest thing is connection. And that's where storytelling comes in. Mm-hmm. You don't want to get up there and just beat them over the head with graphs and charts and data and all of yeah. that got to connect with people and stories are sticky stories stick with you stories are the connective tissue of humans so you've got to put that in there if you want to have your message really get through how does that equate to actual meetings 
So when individuals have meetings or businesses have meetings, how do you support them or what is your formula in putting that together? The formula is really simple. Hold people accountable. That's just all there is to it. You think about it this way. If, uh, if I were to reach out and grab someone's wallet and take mm-hmm. out their money and just start tearing it in half and throwing it away, it's not going to take them long to grab that wallet, probably punch me in the nose and run away. But if I ask them to give me an hour of their time, they'll hand it to me on a silver platter. They don't, they don't care as much about their time as they care about their money. Think Mm -hmm. about what we do. We put money in saves, saves. We put our valuables in a safe. We insure our cars. We insure our houses. We do all of the stuff with material goods. But when it comes to our time, we aren't guardians of it. Not like we should be. And I think if you held people accountable, like in these meetings, say, okay, I need to get in and get out. That's what I, one of the things I've come up with is, is go, 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 get in, get over it and get out. That's what you need to do. Don't waste time doing what you don't need to be doing with a bunch of fluff. I had a lady I coached and she's told me that in a job that she had, her boss told her, if you have a meeting, be sure you fill the hour. Where is the logic in that? I mean, let's find something to stick in there. And people are like water. They'll take up whatever space you give them. So if you tell them they've got to do it in 10 minutes, guess what? They'll get it done in 10 minutes at half a clock. Sit there with them and say, look, your time is up. Sit down. And if you get that routine going, people understand you're serious. They're going to get on board with it. And now instead of spending an hour in a meeting, you've had 10 minutes in a meeting. And you've got 50 more minutes to be productive in whatever your business is doing. Whether that's a sales call, whether that's phone calls, whether that's client stuff, whether that's just doing production inside the office, anything, that's 50 minutes more that you didn't have. I love all of that. And I think it's amazing if people can do it. Because mm-hmm. that, that's the accountability piece that you're talking about too. The other thing is, I feel it gives the opportunity to create more efficiency in one's life, be it in the business or the job or career that they have, or as entrepreneurs in where, what we're doing with our time, because as entrepreneurs, we're doing it all to a certain degree. <laughs> Absolutely, we are. <laughs> right? So how, how is that, is it, does it translate into more efficiencies Absolutely, it does. I mean, if you stop and you think about it, if you have someone who is doing the death by PowerPoint, as they call it, which now PowerPoint to me has become powerless and pointless because it's overused and overdone and people use it as a crutch. But they put all their stuff in there and they stand up there and read it. What if it goes down? They don't really consider that. You know, now I'm stuck with nothing because all my notes are up here. But I think the way that this translates into more efficiency is if you're getting things, anything else you can do faster, generally speaking, is better. Not saying all the time, but in a meeting particularly, and how that's going to make things more efficient in your business is people are actually making more of a commitment to each other and saying, I respect your time. We've all been there. We've all been the recipient of somebody who went really long. And then what do we do? We turn around and do the same thing because we go, well, no, 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 no. See, my PowerPoint's better. <laughs> not necessarily sparky. It may not be. So I think when you, if you just get people to realize how much is wasted, which let me ask you a question. Do you have any idea how much time is wasted in meetings annually in the United States alone? What would you guess to be the amount of time wasted in meetings annually? 
thousands, thousands, I think. For instance, if there was an hour meeting, I think it could probably most efficiently be done 20, 30 minutes, depending on the type of meeting, in half the time. Here's the thing. In the United States alone, there's 220 million meetings a year. Okay. If you multiply that by the time of average meetings without going into all the math, I did the math on it. It comes out to 19,004 years worth of time spent in meetings annually in the United States alone. 19,004 years worth of time. So if you can speed that process up, I think efficiency just shows itself at that point. If you can just fix this problem. Yes, yes. And then there's been this whole whirlwind, perhaps in the past, but I don't know if it's still happening. Do we actually need meetings? Absolutely, there is. I mean, I don't know if you're familiar with this, but Jeff Bezos had banned PowerPoints at his executive meetings. Steve Jobs is not a huge fan of PowerPoints and meetings. So you've already got some people who are in high positions who recognize that. So you just need to follow the trend and go, look, guys, there's a lot of things. I worked in one company. This is not a joke. This is going to just blow you right out of your chair. I worked for a company one time who had meetings to discuss future meetings. <laughs> like, are you kidding me? What are we doing here? And so many meetings, you're right, can be a PDF. I had a friend of mine, she works in a school corporation. She had to leave her job one day and go to some sort of a seminar about an hour and a half, two hours away. So she's out of her work for all day long. She's got all this backlog of stuff happening. And she gets there and the person who's speaking gets up and does the reading of the PowerPoint. At the first break, she went to the organizer. She goes, I know how to read. Send me the PDF. And she left because it was a waste of her time. So many meetings are like that. But the problem is you can't get people for whatever reason to stop doing them. So if Mm. you can't get them to stop doing them, the next best thing I look at is then let's condense them and let's figure out how to make them better. Right. And and more efficient, more effective. Have you seen one industry category more rigid in there, we got to have a meeting, whereas some industries might be more fluid and open and receptive to, okay, how can we really cut this thing called time? I'm sure there's companies out there on both sides of that coin. I haven't seen them particularly up close and personal that are either hardcore either way, but I think it's a matter of finding that balance. And the way you find that balance and what I'm promoting right now with everybody is we know the executives, the higher level executives, the C-suite and the executives below them, who's the ones that normally get any sort of soft skill communications training? It's those guys. They recognize the value of it. And the way I look at this is, do you, I don't know if you have people you know that, are, that play games or are gamers. Do you have any gamers that you know? I do, yes. Okay. My sons, 26 and 22, are both big gamers. And I was talking to my 26-year-old the other day. And I asked him, I said, when you get get to boss level, okay, you've Mm got to beat the main bad guy in the game. Do they give you any sort of special tool to do that with? Do they give you some help? He said, absolutely, Dad. He said, there's something sometimes right there outside the door, whatever you grab, and you go fight the boss. I said, let me ask you this. If they gave you that boss level tool at the beginning of the game, what would happen? He said, I'd win every level. Mm -hmm. I'd beat everyone. Mm -hmm. Okay. Soft skills communication training 
is a boss level tool. Mm-hmm. Instead of taking it to the boss level, what if all the companies in this country and other countries around the world embrace the idea of taking that boss level tool and giving it to them day one when they're onboarded? Right. Right. Now you teach everybody to be a better communicator. You're going to win how many other levels? Right. And if you think it doesn't cost I know of a particular case of a company that had a lady was speaking. They had some sort of a deal they were working on. And the people on the other side of the table said, we'd like to hear from this person. And when that person started speaking, she'd never been trained on how to speak. She'd never been given any communication skills. And because of that, she shot a $10 million deal. So soft skills communication by itself was responsible for the loss of $10 million. So it's something they need to pay attention to. Right. It's like anything in life, though. It's creating that beautiful thing called balance mm-hmm. of what do we need? How can we be more competent? How can we be efficient? And what does that look like? It is. And I think a lot of times this is one place that they don't think about it. When they attack a meeting, generally, they think of it from the outside in. They think of it like, okay, we'll have a two pizza meeting just enough people in the room, two pizzas can feed. Or no, 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 we'll have everybody stand up. They'll get tired then and they'll want to get out of the meeting. No, 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 let's invite just the people that need to be there. Well, duh, that should happen anyway. So now you have a room full of just the people that should be there standing up and eating pizza, but you've not trained the person at the front of the room and your meeting still goes long. You still don't have much ROI. People are walking out of it going, I didn't understand anything because they haven't been efficient and effective in their presentation. And that's where the problem is. They need to work from the inside out, not the outside in. And that's the hard part. That's a hard part. It really isn't. If they would just, if they would change the way they think about it and start and start training everybody, because right now kids are coming out of college that you can look it up on Google. You can find that they're not getting kids even out of college who know how to effectively communicate. And I think part of it's generational. I think about my kids. I mean, I know how they communicate with their thumbs. Everything's with emojis and everything's with shorthand and, and letters and yeah. stuff. Well, guess what? When you're standing before the board of directors, you can't use that stuff. That's right. And they're getting That's kids right. coming in. And they're having to train them because what they're getting in college is not enough to get them through because basic public speaking is exactly what its name implies. It's basic. You got to be more than that. That's right. Yeah. And to be more efficient. And with that encompassing mm-hmm. is putting a little bit more heart in it, a little bit of that core in it, rather than being, you know, robotized. I remember the first time I did a public presentation. Oh my gosh, I could have fallen on the floor. It was horrible. (laughs) But nevertheless, we go through that process, we learn and we grow. But one thing that I've learned is the message has to come from a place of conviction. Yes. It does. So whether it be that core that you referenced earlier, it's to come from there and that's what's going to work. And even if it's something you can't always have, I mean, if you have your passion, you're doing something, for instance, if you were to speak on what you know, you have that passion for it. But if it's something assigned to you at work, the question then becomes, well, how do I find that passion? You know, it's not so much in finding the passion, it's in finding the path, less the passion, more the path of, okay, What do I need to give to them? How can I do this in a way that's memorable? And how do I do it in a way that respects the time of the people that I'm with? 
instead of just going in there and saying, okay, I've got to give this presentation. I don't really want to, it's by rote. And they go in and they throw in a bunch of stuff that's not necessary because they've been given that. I think that's where companies need to look at and go, okay, how can we make these things better? Are we giving something to somebody we shouldn't be giving to them to present because maybe that's not the best person for it. Recognize where your strengths are. They do that in everything else in their companies by promoting people to certain things. I think they should pay attention here as well. Well, slowly but surely, the world will be a lot more efficient, less fluff, and trusting that people will learn to value their own time. They do. You know, it's, it's an interesting thing. You stop and think about it. I mean, particularly in this day and age, look what's happened. 2020, I think, just sped everything up. COVID came along and I think it sped things up. You're seeing generations, the younger generations going, you know, we don't want to work for a company 40 hours a week, 60 hours a week, you know, 50 weeks out of the year for 40 years and then retire and spend 15 years of our life trying to enjoy that. They're looking at it and going, I want the balance. I want to be able to work from home. I want to be able to take time and go through things with my friends and my family. And I think the world is changing in a very, very positive way like that. But to that end, you've also got to change the way the communications happen because you've got to speed that process up and you've got to make it more effective. You've got to make it more connecting. And I think as people, I think we're getting there. It's slow, but I think we're getting there. I think so too. I'm noticing conversations are becoming a lot more succinct and and more focused in okay this is going to be a conversation about this the other stuff the fluff stuff the casual stuff we can talk about then but right now we need to get this underway and done what's funny you say that I think about my wife at times when we have arguments it'll be one of these things where I'll start talking about something and we'll be into it this that and the other back and forth and at one point, I will invariably start pulling other things in. And she goes, stop, back on topic. And she will pull me back to the center topic every time and go, we're not talking about that right now. If people would treat their kind of their meetings like an argument with your significant other, yeah, you might have that to go, Bob, we're not talking about that right now. Let's get back on track of what we're talking about here, Bob. I think that could be funny if people applied that logic in some way. I think so too. I truly do. I believe if we're transparent and honest with individuals and say, okay, these are the things that I really want to talk to you about. Can we wrap this up? The other pieces, we can allot a bit of time for more casual and relaxed talk, if you will, or whatever that is. Sure. If you're sitting at home or you're at a party with friends, that's a whole different thing. I'm not talking about that. I mean, we all come, come home and we talked about story earlier. Think about this. Do you come home from work and talk to your friends or your family and pull up a graph and charts and explain how your day was that way? No, you come in and start telling stories about your day. You are not going to believe what happened to me today. I had this phone call and you're just gonna go into this whole big thing about it and you're going to tell a story. And I think if people just would embrace that in a lot of other areas of their life, it would be good too. But you talked about time right now in terms of how we're getting more succinct. Look at TikTok. TikTok is being embraced by is being embraced by all sorts of businesses. It's not just for the younger generation anymore. And what is it? It's shorthand. Twitter took you down to so many characters. TikTok, most of those are done in a minute or so, maybe a minute and a half. YouTube has gotten down to where videos are shorter. 
the attention span of the world is shorter. There's so much out there that you've got to get to them and you've got to get to them fast. And the way to do that is get to the damn point, because if you're not, they're going to drop off what you're doing and head to somebody else. They want their information and they want it now like this. They want it now. They don't want to be belabored by your extensive whatever you're going to do. It's that, that old adage of asking somebody what time it is and they tell you how to build a watch. You know what I mean? Right. They don't want that anymore. They want you to get to it. Have people become more geared towards high-level messages only? Because the work, for instance, the work that I do is pretty deep and it's pretty vulnerable for certain individuals. So the messaging, for instance, for that, would people even be able to grasp it because it is so fast? Like their attention span is so fast. So they only want to look at high level stuff that if they get it, they get it. If they don't, it's missed and it's lost and it's gone. I, you know, I think a lot of it is to me for something like TikTok, that's your headline. That's not your whole story. That's the way you hook them in. To me, if you're a business and you're doing that stuff, and a lot of people do quick content, I mean, Gary V is, I, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk at all. Absolutely, yes. Content like that, doing something that's a minute and a half, two minutes long, and it's a completed thought yeah. inside that amount of time that gets you thinking. So he's the king of that. If you could do something like that, a lot of TikTok is still people doing goofy things and doing stuff with their pets and their food and all these things. So yes. it's, a, it's like a little short movie. It's just a quick mm -hmm. thing to go. That was a fun bit. Mm -hmm. But I think on the, on that sort of thing, it's just, it's the teaser. It's what am I thinking about a movie trailer? It's mm. the movie trailer for your movie in your particular right. case. Maybe you do something that's short form mm -hmm. to get them to come into you. And then once they commit to you, they understand the length of what you're doing. And that's okay too. Right. I'm just talking about it particularly in meetings is when you need to do that. But okay. if you've got a longer message that takes time, then set aside and do that with the individuals as you need to. Right. But you're probably not going to put out an hour long video and people sit mm -hmm. through the entire thing. They're going mm -hmm. to go through it after about five minutes. If you don't have them hooked, they're going to move on. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So what's next for you? Because you've got so much depth and breadth of knowledge and experience and drive to support and really wanting to make a change of this fluff that, that often people get lost with. What's next for you? Well, the next step for me is I, I have an online course that teaches that, but that's something that's just an aside thing. What I'm really pushing for right now is I've been on the TEDx stage before, so I've done that and kind of got mm -hmm. the taste for that. And now I've joined the National Speakers Association, and I am pushing to get out there to give a keynote to talk about this. So maybe I can get people to realize, hey, if we just change our thinking, particularly executives, change our thinking in the way we approach things. Not only are we going to make life better for all these people, because what we're going to teach them in this personal development is something they can use at work, something they can use home, something they can use if they're in a charitable organization. Right. But we're going to make our business better, better communications across our culture and more profitable. They say win-win. This is a win-win-win-win-win-win-win all the way around. <laughs> There's so many things they can do with it. So I just want to get out there and get the message out to people to say, hey, change the way you're thinking. And yes. look at it from how much time it's affecting you, not just on the fact that you're not speaking well. That's part of it, too. You need to learn that. But if people would look at it from how much time it's wasting, 
And I've got a perfect example on my website of that they can look at to show what it's like when you don't have even the most basic skills of speaking down, how much time it wastes. Mm-hmm. What is the website that you have for people to, is, to visit? I want to give them a couple of them it is get to the damn That is where you'll find the course and it's where you'll find this piece I'm talking about further down on the page, but also go to lewischaney.com. That's L-E-W-I-S-C-H-A-N-E-Y.com. They can find my speaking stuff there. Beautiful. What a pleasure and what an honor to share this time with you. And thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom and expertise. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate you reaching out. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. I'm Naranjan, and you've been listening to Master of Your Crafts podcast. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and join me next week for another episode. Thank you for listening.